Good morning. It's nice to be sharing this morning with each of you. We had a very interesting meeting yesterday. It was one of the most more unusual meetings I've had in a long time. It was right after class yesterday. And it was with these great souls. And we got together to talk about what we were going to talk about today. And of course, the topic today is superconsciousness. And if you take just a moment, ask yourself, where is superconsciousness? When is superconsciousness? It's right here. It's right now. It's really hard to talk yesterday about what is going to be a superconscious talk today. <laughs> and so we all stood and stared at each other and we said, <clears throat> so what are you going to talk about tomorrow? Well, not really sure. What are you going to talk about tomorrow? <laughs> I don't know. Um, part of it was to keep from stepping on each other's toes so that, you know, um, I didn't have to uh, go after Peter and have him already take the wind out of my sails and use my material. <clears throat> but uh, by the time the meeting was over, the only thing we had all come to an understanding of was the order in which we would speak. <laughs> Superconsciousness isn't then or there. It's right here and right now. So take a moment. Sit up straight. If you're not feeling joy, if you're not feeling bliss, if you're not feeling expansion, you're not in superconsciousness. So close your eyes, take a deep breath in, hold it, and exhale. Feel the wind blowing off the lake. Feel the warmth, the freshness. Feel the stillness around you. Feel the consciousness of your neighbors, their joy, their love, their freedom. Now open your eyes. Notice it's a different world all of a sudden. I'd like to practice something together, but I'd like to do it with the stillness and the concentration and the presence that we've just attained. I'd like to do the superconscious living exercises, just a little bit of them. Please stand. The first exercise is, I am awake and ready. And typically, I mean, I've resisted these exercises for most of my um, years as a, as a devotee. Um, the voice seemed a little corny. In fact, I had the embarrassing moment of going to a university to give a talk on um, Sanatana Dharma and Hinduism. And I thought rather than um, talk about it, I would give them an experience. I took a whole bunch of college students out of the classroom, out in the fresh air, in the middle of the quad, and then tried to lead them through these exercises. <laughs> Let's see if it works better here now. <laughs> The first one is, I am awake and ready. And try and do it with awareness, awakeness, wakefulness, and readiness. I am awake and ready. 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 Now stop and feel. The next one is interesting. I am positive. And you, try not to take out your neighbors. Okay. I am positive. You're opening the heart. 
I am energetic. You're sending that energy out, radiating. I am enthusiastic, lifting it up. Again, I am positive, energetic, enthusiastic. I am positive, energetic, enthusiastic. I am positive, energetic, enthusiastic. Okay, please be seated. <clears throat> Seventh inning stretch. I had, a, I had a friend of mine who's from Portland. We've got, I think, maybe 20, 25 people visiting from Portland um, this weekend, this week. So, too, from all the centers and from all around the world. Um, congratulations on making an effort to come and share in this week. It's amazing what radiates out from this kind of a gathering out into the world. <clears throat> but he said to me an interesting thing. He said, you know, he's, he's, having, he's, he's here having a fabulous week. And he said, I just want to be like the people who are here. I want to be like, um, you know, he talked about several of the leaders. He said, I want to be like you. I want to be like X. And I thought, what a very odd thing. I mean, what a terrifying thought that he would be like me. <laughs> but I understood what he meant. Because when I first came here, this is kind of fun having some of these souls up here, because one of the first times I visited 25 years ago, I came to Ananda Village, and I was sitting down at the market. The market was there and uh, had a similar feeling. The, the meadow was there, and the parking was right in the same place, and I was sitting there. And all of a sudden, out of the market, I heard the door open, and right down the stairs, this and I looked over, and marching across the lawn at roughly 65 miles an hour, was Ananta. <laughs> and my instant response, my instant um, impression was, that man knows where he's going. <laughs> and he had this big smile on his face and just this enormous presence. And I thought, you know, I have never in my life known anywhere I wanted to get with that kind of enthusiasm, <laughs> that kind of focus. <laughs> and then I watched, somebody called him from back in the market. They were stepping out the door. Hey, Ananta, and they came down the steps. He, stopped, he turned around, he didn't miss a beat. With the same amount of energy, he came back and he met them. And he just stood there and he stopped. He parked himself and was completely present. And they had this conversation. And then the second it was over, he just turned and was gone like a shot. And I thought, I want to be like that. <laughs> Asha was one of my first teachers. And um, in fact, she handled our discipleship group when we first came here, because she was still living. There was only one Ananda when we came here. And um, I watched her give public addresses, and I watched her stand there. And it's almost like she roots herself into the entire universe and taps straight into master's consciousness. And somehow, her whole aura just inflates with this power and presence and joy and light and freshness. And she just stands there and radiates it out. And every time I've ever seen her talk, I found myself completely changed and uplifted and transformed. I thought, I want that. I want to be like that. So I understood what he was saying yesterday. And then in the course of time, I watched and I met Peter Gehring probably 15 years ago when he moved, he and his wife moved to the seclusion retreat. And I saw that great mind of his and his ability to see things very clearly. And I thought, I want to be like that. 
And then I met Sean and his, his ability to be articulate and fresh. And then I realized that it was every single person I met. <laughs> Ted Cutler and his, ability, his joy and his creativity and every single person. Because what we start to see in a superconscious state, when people are successful in that, is we start to see ourselves. We start to see what's true and possible. Master said an interesting thing. Yogananda said a very fascinating thing. He said about success. I, I looked up on the minister's bookshelf, the old form of it, um, uh, the, the um, references for superconscious living. There were 350 of them. And then I looked up success, and there were something like six or 700 references and articles that were dealing with it. And I, I thought about the fact that Master put, and Swami have put so much conversation into the concept of success. Because you would think that as yogis, success would not be all that relevant, especially outwardly, but Yogananda talked a lot about outward success. And Swami Kriyananda has too. And I started thinking about it. Yogananda had a quote, and this is where I started this, this little run. The fruit of success is not in the things that success makes available to us, but in the kind of life we have to lead in order to be successful. Isn't that fascinating? The fruit of success is not all the carrots out there that we keep chasing in order to be successful. It's not in the security of the world or the prosperity of the world or the benefits that we get that make life possible or easy, but in the kind of life we have to lead in order to be successful. And I first heard this years ago, and I've carried it with me um, throughout my years. And I thought, you know, my, my particular path this time has been... Um, starting many things. And I've been, I've watched way before the path, I was involved in starting things. I have a, uh, a lot in uh, Gemini. And uh, I started to watch that there were patterns that happened. Um, one of the first things, one of the first things I noticed about my life, and this is, everybody probably has had a Yuri Geller moment in their life, when they did something not intentionally but had power and influence far beyond their, their original intent or their um, expectation. I was 10 years old, and they say that between the years of 10 and 12, this, this is not an uncommon thing for people. I was sitting on the porch of our home in Topeka, Kansas, and I was looking out, and I was just feeling kind of in this, what I would now say is a transcendent state, and I was just looking out, and I was thinking, you know, boys at that age like to be heroic, they like to be adventuresome, they like to feel like they're important. And I was looking out and I saw this car parked over across the street on a little slope. I thought, what would happen if that car was rolling and I could run over there real quick and stop it and save the day, right? And I just was thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And pretty soon, honest to God, the car started rolling. <laughs> And I jumped up, and I ran over, and I opened the door, and I stopped the car, and I felt really great about it, okay? And, I, and, you know, I didn't have a lot of context. Our culture doesn't give us a lot of context for these kinds of events. Um, Yogananda talks about, you know, when he was in that, that kind of psychic space of putting out energy, and he talks about his sister and the boil, and he's, you know, he makes that, uh, he avers that the... Um, his sister will have a boil twice the size on her arm the next day, and he'll have one... And sure enough, it shows up, and he carries the scar to this day of, you know, that kind of use of mental power. 
but we don't have references in our culture, so I didn't know what to do with that. But about a year later or six months later, I was sitting there and I was remembering that day. I was sitting on the porch and I was looking out and I was thinking, you know, that was a pretty darn nifty thing. <laughs> and I started to focus the mind and I saw a car and I thought, you know, I wonder if I could do that. I wonder if that could happen again. <laughs> I wonder, you know, and I wasn't sure if I had tuned in and just kind of felt it or if I had caused it or what was going on. And I still don't know and I don't know about this next one, but I know that in a fair period of time, the car started rolling. <laughs> and I jumped up, and this time, um, it all went south. <laughs> and I didn't get it stopped in time, and I, you know, I was hanging out the window, I couldn't get in the car, it was just a really weird thing. And I realized that, that we have a power. You know, one of the things that, that's been talked about and referred to here is the fact that we are, you know, super consciousness is a part of our nature. But I would take that farther. We are superconscious beings. Superconsciousness is the fact of our lives. And that we're trying to reclaim that, but we're scared to death of it. Because it's got power and influence beyond what we know, how we know how to integrate it. We've got to find ways to, to step back into the power that is our lives, the power that is our truth. Every single thing that comes to us moment by moment, right here, right now, comes straight from the superconscious. Yogananda, you know, he said, there is no difference between the God, between God and the Guru. God's omnipresent. The Guru is omnipresent. If you have given your life in discipleship to the Guru, you have to assume that every single moment, every single second, every single thing that comes to you is coming straight to you for your edification. Not tomorrow, not later, not some other time. If you're asleep right now, if I'm boring you, <laughs> I wouldn't say that what I'm giving you is what the Master's trying to give you, but I would say that in this moment, the Master's speaking to you. And if you're asleep, you're going to miss it. Starting things, the kind of life it takes in order to be successful, the kind of life you have to lead, takes being awake and ready. It takes being positive, energetic, enthusiastic, it takes being the master of your body. It takes um, rejoice, uh, awake, rejoice my body cells, be glad my mind, be, be my brain, be wise and strong. Think about those things. He's given us not only the techniques and tools, the information that it takes, that's the process of beginning to be successful. Not that we have all these outer things happen, they're a byproduct and they're unavoidable eventually but so that we awaken to who we are all the time. Success is a natural attribute of the soul because success implies attunement. Success apply, implies being in the great flow of life. You know, when you're in the great flow of life, when you're innocent, when you're just present in that, automatically everything flows. You put your foot down and the earth rises up to meet it. When was the last time you wondered if there was going to be air to breathe? Really? It's, it's a stupid thing, but when was the last time? And yet how many people are scared to death about what's coming in the economic circumstances? How many people are afraid of what's coming right down the road? How many people are concerned about um, what's going on in the, the three days of darkness or the, the, you know, the tr great catastrophes that are coming? How much, how much mental power do we spend being distracted by those things instead of just simply living in the moment and trusting that the moments will take care of themselves if we're present. 
I learned a long time ago the best way to be successful isn't to plan things out. It's to get up in the morning and go meditate the best you can. You know, I'm, I'm not, I've had periods where meditation has been powerful and easy, but they haven't always, it's not always like that. And I found that it isn't relevant. That's not my problem. My problem is to show up. I can't dictate the kind of meditation I'm going to have or what kind of karma I'm burning off or what I've got. The only thing I can determine is the fact that I show up. If I show up, if I meditate, I get up in the morning, I go meditate, and I go do what's next. It's the most powerful formula I've ever found. And then all day long, I just try and stay present. And people ask me, well, what about this? I don't know. Let's find out. What about that? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's not plan life out way out there. Let's live it right here with all the power that we have. I'd like to do an affirmation in closing. Yogananda um, gave an affirmation. Today, I will cultivate initiative. The person of initiative makes the impossible possible by the great inventive power of spirit. Today I will cultivate initiative. The person of initiative creates something from nothing. He makes the impossible possible by the great inventive power of spirit. Today I will cultivate initiative. The person of initiative creates something from nothing. He makes the impossible possible by the great inventive power of spirit. And now silently, today I will cultivate initiative. The person of initiative creates something from nothing. He makes the impossible possible by the great inventive power of spirit. Moment by moment, stay present in that power of spirit. Thank you.